All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Listening to Nasty Knuckles, the Hockey Outlaws Podcast, with your hosts, Terry Nasty Sotomayor and former Philadelphia Flyer Enforcer, Riley Cote, as they go behind the scenes with your favorite NHL players. Time to face off. All right, welcome back. What is happening, Nasty? What's up, Riggs? Not much, buddy. Just got back uh, late night last night. Yeah. Fans of Philly. Looking a little sleepy. Jump up. Never. Maybe a little, a little tired. Good. A little tired. Uh, fans <laughs> of Philly uh, went last night with the group. It was uh, a good time. Wasn't the outcome, obviously. Uh, we were looking for uh, dropped the game four to one. Yeah, uh, cool building. Yeah, was it? Uh, yep. Yeah, big, big building. It was, it was pretty neat. Got to walk around, looked, uh, looked around. It was a cool building. So Islanders all jacked up for. A, uh, for yeah, a place was it was a it was a good bottom of the barrel game. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. Uh, it looked like it was going to go either way, and yeah. then uh, Brock Nelson just put a laser. Oh beam. yeah. Whew, that thing was in and out of the net, but Jonesy was kind of screened on the on the play. But um, anyway, yeah, uh, the outcome was not what we were looking for, yeah. obviously. But uh, again, uh, Joe with fans of Philly, like just unbelievable time. Yeah. The way he sets the uh, the trips up, it's so That's much awesome. fun, man. Wish I could have joined you. Yeah, I know you had, had the, daddy duty. Had the Rugrats. Yeah. Yep. So. Um. Yeah. We well, we did it without you. I know, I know you did. But we didn't bring the dubs like we yeah. did in Arizona. Zero and eight in the last eight. It's happening, Nast. Yeah, it's not where we want to be right now. Um, 
it's not been pretty. Uh, not. And we're we're 13 points back from a wild card. Um, it's not looking great. Not but looking great. I will never say it's over. I never, never did before. Know. Can't. Can't. There's always hope. Can't do it. Um, our good buddy Prongs. Prong Daddy. What happened? Huh. Crushing beers in front of the <laughs> crushing beers in front of the fans and yeah. uh, having some fun. No, he was Jersey retirement there in St. Louis and uh, yeah. congratulations. Uh, what a beauty beast. the beast is. Yeah, uh, but yeah, no, he's uh, he's a funny dude, and of course he finds ways to to get the crowd rocking. So yeah, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, no props to him. Obviously, amazing career and gosh, nice to see him and some pictures that I saw with a couple of the St. Louis alumni guys floating yeah. around there. So there was uh, probably a few. Beers put back last night, I would imagine, with that crew. Oh, yeah. But uh, congrats. Boom, as he calls me. Yeah, the beast. That's awesome, man. Um, quick little uh, thought. Danny B, Danny Breer, a good buddy, did not get the job in Montreal. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, you know what? Uh, I, I don't know this Ken Hughes, but uh, I do know Danny B, and I just feel like he's destined to be the general manager of the Flyers at some point. So I'm, I'm happy in the sense that – yeah, that still could be a reality, um, but obviously for you know Danny B going back to Montreal and being the general manager, probably yeah. probably a dream as well. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but um, no, it is what it is. You know, they, yeah. there's a lot of competition for those jobs, and I think you know I think Danny's in a great spot. There's no no rushing no rushing that yeah. progress. So he's done a hell of a job in Maine yeah. uh, with the team um, that he runs with the East Coast League. Uh, but yeah, it, at some point, Danny's going to be in NHL, whether it's here or yep. somewhere else, but he will be running a team yep. and I would put my trust in him. hundred percent. Sure. Yeah. Knows the game and he's a fiery guy, competitor, hates to lose. Um, no one likes to lose, but I can yeah, see him I, with a job soon. And I consider Danny to be a, a young, uh, obviously a, a young enough guy that's still played in the era of right. old school, see the new school, understands the minds of the old school guys yeah. and, you know, the new school type of teachers. Um, so I think he'd be a good fit whenever his time comes. So, yeah. um, you know, wish him in the, the best and, and continued success with his job with uh, well, player development as well. He's doing yeah, some of that. Yeah, he's on the bench the there today with Lappy. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, his time will come for sure. Yeah. All right, Nas, this episode is presented to you by Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary, 12 locations in Pennsylvania. Extremely thoughtful, knowledgeable staff help you with all your medical marijuana needs. Check them out. Are you a supporter of NAS, right? Yes, definitely. They're the best. All right. Check them out. Cureleaf.com. Episode 58. Let's go. Let's go. Welcome back. I'm Riley Cote. And I'm Derek Settlemeyer. And this week, we are pleased to have one of my favorite people in hockey. Known him for a long time. Good buddy. Assistant coach of the St. Louis Blues, my main man, Monte Jim Montgomery. Monty, what's up, brother? Nothing, man. Nasty. Thanks for having me on, Riley. Thank you. Oh, man. Appreciate you. Yeah, appreciate you taking the time, man. I know you guys are busy. Um, Chief's probably just in there, like, with the the whip, making you guys work on days off and stuff. (laughs) Uh, Just kidding. But, uh, man, you guys got a good team there in St. Louis. How's it going? It's going really well, you know. I think Doug Armstrong did a great job in the off season. And then, uh, you know, chief is a wonderful man, first of all, to work for. He's a great boss. He pushes you to be better. And at the same time, he gives you a lot of, um, movement to do what you want in your respective areas. And, uh, our staff is a real cohesive unit and we've got a great captain and, um, in, uh, 
O'Reilly, you know, yeah. Ryan O'Reilly yeah. yeah. and uh, the assistants under him. And uh, we got a couple of outstanding young players. So it's, it's a really fun team to work with. We can score a lot of goals and uh, they're committed to working on the right side of the puck too. So right now it's, it's a lot of fun coming and rank this entire season. Yeah. It's you're, you're one of my favorite teams to watch. Like uh, I'm, I'm a nerd. I watch hockey all night, every day. And, and um, <clears throat> with, with you there and, and obviously chief and Braden Shen, a couple of the guys I do know, you're one of my favorite teams to watch and you're right, boy, can you guys put some goals up this Jordan Cairo? What a player, man. Yeah, he's outstanding. You know, we're, we're lucky. We got him and Robbie Thomas as yeah. two young players to join a nucleus led by O'Reilly and Chen and Perron. And then you have, you know, we have a great Russian line with the star yeah. and, uh, Tarasenko and then Barbashev and Buchnevich. People don't know as well, but right. they're studs. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they really complement each other. I was talking to Chief the other day and he was saying like when they're together, boy, and they're, and they're buzzing, you know, they're, they're tough to stop. Yeah, they kind of remind us a lot of, you know, the Detroit line when they had uh, Kozlov with Fedorov and uh, Larionov. They know, did all right. right. Yeah, I don't know that. <laughs> they did all Hopefully right. Hopefully we can do the same. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly, man. Oh, that's great. And you have, uh, you know, a pretty solid uh, coaching staff there, and you'd been previously a head coach and coming to St. Louis as an assistant. Uh, how, how is your, uh, uh, your role uh, been defined there in St. Louis and is it, is it different than your previous jobs as an assistant? Yeah, um, it's a little bit different. You know, my previous jobs as an assistant were in college and there you, your, your job is more recruiting, bringing in talent, okay. getting on the road, and then you help out in practice when you can, uh, you know, um, here chief is, uh, given me the responsibility of running our penalty kill and um you know working with the forwards along with steve ott who runs our power play and uh combined with uh, mike van ryan and our, our goaltending coach david alexander and our video coach um sean farrell uh we work collectively together we have a lot of crossover we if we see something um like if steve ott sees something that a power play has done well he'll let me know about it and vice versa yeah um and i think we're very fortunate to have chief as our leader. Like here's a guy that holds people accountable, but he does it in a professional manner, despite the fact that he's intimidating. You know, yeah. and you see him walk, man. He's like yeah. a silverback. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Instant street cred, no, right? Mon- With that walk. Monty, yeah, do, you, do, exactly. you, do you see this money? <laughs> <laughs> Every day. <laughs> Toughest guy in the Boys, building, right? You understand how tough I am? I will knock yeah. anybody out in that locker room. Just tell them. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I always kid around like uh, I could. It's got to be so much fun to work there. Like I know you so well and Chief's such a fun guy to be around to. And Otter, boy, he's a lippy dude. Like it would just be, that would be my kind of place to be. Just guys lipping off all the time. But you guys do a great job. Work very hard, like you said. Um, and you can see it. Your players are, uh, they buy into what you guys do. And uh, you got a great team, man. And I, I don't yeah, want to. There's I don't a great change. balance of uh, intensity, humor. And uh, knowing how to work with each other, you know, and um, what Chief does great is yes, for everybody's opinion, everybody gives their opinion. He goes and gets a quick workout in, comes back, and he gives us the plan. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, it's, and the plan works. And uh, his consistency and his message 
of what he believes in is why our team plays so hard consistently. That's awesome. Yeah, I love to hear that. And you know, I, I know Chief. Uh, I had a chance to uh, to play under him as an assistant and briefly as a head coach with the Phantoms. And uh, um, you kind of alluded to it, but uh, you know, Chief is he's obviously got this the street credit because of his background as a as a tough guy. But I feel like he just. Um, uh, commands respect in a in a very like humble way, right? It's just like it just he, he wants to communicate, he wants to be honest, and, and all he expects in return is 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 his hard work, which is a simple fundamental. But I think you said it, humor, uh, and you don't hear about many coaches talking about that in the locker room. But it's such an important ingredient when you're trying to create chemistry within a team, right? You got to stay loose, and if your head coach is serious, but also uh, you know, has a real humorous side to him, and obviously the assistants do too. You create a culture of winning by, you know, obviously sticking to the game plan, hard work. But I mean, you, you got the most. You're having fun. You're having fun, and that's what, it, at the end of the day, it's what it's still all about, even though it's a business. Absolutely. You know, as you know, Riley and Nasty, 82 games, there's a grind. You're going to go through four, five game unbeaten streaks, and hopefully you're going to have eight game win streaks, you know, and we've, we've had both this year um, and the ability to laugh together. And that's what the players too, you know, like they want to know too, you walking around uh, or skating around before morning skate, you want to talk to them as people. It's not always about, Hey, I need you to do this. Um, It's a conversation of how you doing? How was dinner last night? And then also, and, being able to talk from there about what we need to do, what they see about the team we're playing that evening. And I think that all stems. It comes from the culture created by chief. He does a fantastic job of making everyone feeling included, but they know what they have to do to earn ice time for him. And we know as a staff, what he wants for us to get to our identity as a team. So we are always preparing with the idea of, you know, this is what this chief believes in. So this is how we're going to do things. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, that's, awesome. uh, uh, it's, it's super important to have that type of communication leadership. Uh, did you have, a, did you have a chance to cross paths with chief when you played for the flyers in your, you know, uh, 13, 14 games? <laughs> My best chief story um, was not like when I played games for the Flyers, uh, I think chief was not uh, in Philly, but right. we signed him in the off season and we're doing the uh, um, we're up in Peterborough because uh, Roger Nielsen was the coach running training camp at the time. God bless his soul. Yeah. And um, we, uh, we had to do a bike test and we had just won the AHL Calder Cup championship in 98 the year before. So we're, we all knew each other and we, it went in alphabetical order. We got six guys together and we started doing like the Tour de France where, <laughs> you know, we're, yeah. we're like doves uh, uh, flying. We went one guy taking the headwind and we just keep rotating and we caught up to everyone. We caught up like I'm an M. Montgomery, yeah. we caught up to Chief. Chief's a Barubi beast. <laughs> so we caught up to him, and I said, hey, just just follow in behind, and we all take turns, you know, leading. Well, Chief never led once. He just cruised. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and of course, no one's saying anything. Right, though. right. And then in the last two miles, he's all fresh. He took off and dusted us and beat us by two minutes. Come on, no way. That's hilarious. The oh KG veteran move. Yeah, yeah right. That is. Yeah, lay in the weeds, conserve your energy, and then I forgot. Yeah. About, I forgot about that. He was in, in Peterborough there. That, I forgot about that. That's awesome. We had a we had a camp there. It was 
it was some it was a long week. Oh yeah. Uh, I'll put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> well we were we drove up with the gear, Monty, for that. I don't know if you remember that, but we we had to drive up there to Peterborough. But anyway. <laughs> That's um, back when training camps were training camps. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. Some serious work. Yeah. A lot of guys came to to got in shape at camp back, you know. Some well, guys it wasn't a Billy Barber. Right, yeah, yeah right. It yeah, wasn't right. that bad, but... We uh, did have Rod Brindamore. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, God. Dude. Oh, my God. He was unbelievable. He still is. Rod the Bod. Still jacked. Yeah, best shape coach. Any, yeah, he's better shaped than anybody on his team, I think. Uh, but going back, uh, Monty, a little bit, back to the Phantom days. So, uh, what a fun run that was in... in, in he played with with Frankie by Lois, the animal. Oh yeah, uh, Dave McIsaac. He played college with a little bit. Um, talk about those days a little bit, Monty. Like they were, you know, we won a championship, man. It, it, it's American League, but it's it's a championship, and it's it was like one of the best times of my life. That's for sure. Yeah, it was an incredible time, as you know. I mean, we sold out the last couple of games uh, when we won, and yeah, um, it was the first championship in Philadelphia. I think since the uh, Phillies had won right in the mid eighties or early eighties. So uh, to the city of Philadelphia, but you know, anytime you win together, you know, like we have that text thread going, that's, you know, involves Neil little and you talked about Frankie and Dave, but we got Johnny Stevens who's gone on and you look at the people from that team and what they've done in their careers afterwards, you know, people that have gone on and had success in hockey, out of hockey, because when you're in that kind of culture that, you know, Billy Barber created for us, Mike Stuthers, you look at yeah, him doing yeah. a great job in Anaheim right now as an assistant coach, one of the top penalty kills in the league. Uh, you know, I think successful people, when you're around them, everybody gets better. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's that mastermind mentality, right? It's like you're sur- surrounding yourself with successful people, and, and naturally that success um, is contagious, right? And uh I think, you know, I guess if you're in a, in a losing culture too often too, maybe you're, you're yeah. starting taking, taking some of that vibe with you, hopefully not. But um, yeah, absolutely. It's uh, it's nice to see that success transition into the real world, right? I mean, it's after after you're done playing and coaching and, and all the other business stuff that guys get into. But um, uh, I did want to, you mentioned John Stevens. I mean, Johnny w- was uh, probably my biggest fan outside of Paul Holmgren. And probably the, the one of the main reasons I ever stepped foot on the the ice with a Flyers jersey on. But uh, uh, you obviously have a great relationship with him. Uh, he was he his player's assistant at the time with no, the Phantoms. No, he, he was the quite, captain. He was the year. captain at the yeah, time. He got hurt the next year. The next year. Yeah. Um, but I know you you were head coach in Dallas, and he was an assistant for you. So you obviously have a, a great relationship with with Johnny. Can you talk to Johnny and, and, and his character and his passion for the game? Because I don't think many Flyers fans understand how much energy and emotion this guy pours into uh, his preparation yeah johnny's an incredible human being um you know caring thoughtful extremely intelligent his work ethics off the charts Mm -hmm. um and he cares about people first and i think that's uh when players play for him um they don't get to understand that right away but over time they quickly get to understand how much he cares about the development of the player and uh, the person and when i got to um, dallas you know johnny someone when i got my first head job in uh, ushl at a junior level i went and spent three days at johnny's um, place down at the shore and he went over everything that he had done in his career um, you know, and what helped him the most in his first head coaching job with the Phantoms, going from an assistant to a head job. I then drafted his son that summer. 
John Jr. Okay. And John played for me in Dubuque. We won a championship together. I recruited uh, Nolan to try to get him to go to Denver, but being the great family that the Stevens family is, you know, uh, Stacy and John wanted their boys to play together at Northeastern and they had a great time there. Um, and then when I had the opportunity to work with John, whether that was being an assistant for John or the way it worked out in Dallas, I always wanted that opportunity. We see the game very similar um, and yet different. And that's what you need, you know, uh, for guys to see, differently but at the same time have the same values and what you believe in and uh, john stevens is one of my best friends and i'm very lucky uh to have worked with him in as a player and as a coach yeah he, yeah he's he always i love johnny we, we we talk about johnny a lot but uh you're you're right money hit the uh nail on the head there with that um just going back quickly Riggs. Monty threw up 29 points in 20 games on that run. Not, not, <laughs> not, not bad. Yeah, you know, guy had a, had a set of mitts on him. But uh, oh yeah, some serious and, numbers and great, in there. Yeah, I, I have player. dinner with Manny when I go to Winnipeg all the time. Yeah, yeah, you know, I see. Mike Manilak won the uh, he was the MVP. Yeah. of the Color Cup team. Yeah, that that there are a few of you guys that I mean Manny was he was on fire too. Uh, Winnipeg, Winnipeg boy, boy, Winnipeg boy. Yeah, but uh, Lit Litz was awesome. You were awesome. I think you had back to back hat tricks. Uh, uh, didn't you throw back to back hat tricks up in Roch? Yeah, in our first round. Yeah, in Roch. that's a good memory like, on you. Yeah. <laughs> he, well, how do you forget that, man? I mean, like that was to me. I'm like back to back Hatties, boys. Yeah, it's impressive. Um, I didn't have a hat. I would have thrown one out because we were we were on the road when you did it too. So, which is even more <laughs> impressive. But uh, Monty, one real quick question. I gotta go back to Pembroke Lumber Kings. You played there. Okay, dude, you had 154 points in one season. I want to know who the fuck was Brian Downey? This guy threw up 172 points. <laughs> who was this guy? Where the fuck did he go, man? Seriously, I'm looking well, through you know your what? stuff, man. Uh, Brian actually played the year before with Peter White, oh. who we all know was on our Caller Cup team. Yeah, um, Great player. Yeah, um, And Peter White put up like 200. 10 points the year before <laughs> Oh wow! Like, with Brian Downey. Downs uh, actually went to Maine with me Okay, and signed as a free agent with Ottawa. Um, played a little bit in the American League, but never really, I think okay. he played one NHL game. Oh, he did yeah. get a game. Okay. Yeah, I think okay. he got one game. Uh, that's when Ottawa was an expansion team. Yeah. And they were getting beat by a touchdown every night. So I think they had yeah. really yeah. a chance. <laughs> I saw that. I'm like, man, I got to ask Monty who this guy is because I, I don't ever remember anything else. <laughs> um, but your your main days, uh, you, you go in there, you guys national champions in uh, 93. I think it was 93. Yeah. You guys won a national right. championship. 42 1 and 2. Man, yeah. like talk about a winning tradition or winning Not a year. Bad season. Like when you lost, were you shocked? And who beat you? Yeah. Who, who, yeah, who did we you were lose shocked. to? Um, it still bothers me that we lost. It probably helped us to be tougher mentally down the stretch. But um, I think we were 33 0 and 2 when we lost to BU. And uh, the funny thing about that game is we were up 6 2 with four minutes left in the second. And BU was our biggest rival at the time. And we wanted to beat them 12 to 2. We wanted to right. embarrass them. And we gave up a couple of odd man rushes. All of a sudden, it was 6 4. Uh, and they ended up beating us overtime. Um, uh, everybody thinks it helped us. I just would have loved to have an unbeaten season. Yeah. So, 
so hard to do. But when you have goalies like Mike Dunham and Garth Snow, yeah. you got a chance to win every night. You yeah. guys probably didn't have much fun there. <laughs> Not at all. It was it was a very strict school. Yeah, we made we made uh we had a Mac on a while back, Big Mackers, and uh, I don't know if you saw him. He's he's head coach in the federal league, uh, in Danbury, and he just yeah yeah the do- yeah and he he calmly walked off the bench the other day at the end of the game and went into a scrum and grabbed a guy and tried to throw him. He got suspended. <laughs> It was fun. He sent me the video. I have to send it to you, Bonnie. It's so funny. He just calm and cool walks off the bench right into the pile and grabs a guy. He goes, they don't take kindly to that. No. Even in this league. He's still in the league. Federal league. But, uh, yeah, Mac, uh, we had Mac tell the story of uh, walking around like Jim Cornette with his his tennis racket. You know, after he had had gotten involved with a football player's girlfriend. (laughs) And he was worried about getting jumped. He he said he fought the one guy or something. I I can't remember exactly what he said, but uh, he had a tennis racket with him a lot. I said, Yeah, well, I do remember the the fight he got in with a football player. And, you know, Mac did well. Yeah. (laughs) He's a tough tough fucker, man. He he always, it's like he, we the diamond, you know, diamond uh, yeah, diamond cutter. Oh, that He's, nose never got broken. Shows how good a fighter he is. Yeah, I know, I know right? <laughs> That's a good point. And he he fought tough guy. I mean, oh he yeah, fought he was the legit, big boys yeah. too. Like he really did. Um, yeah. But we had a tough team. We had everything uh, with the Phantoms. There it was uh, it was a fun time, man. One of my best years ever. Hey, Monty, I, yeah, yeah. I was gonna say just building off your your college there. You know, four years and just significant numbers, right? Building off your year in, in Pembroke, but um, undrafted. And this is, I, I thought this was pretty fascinating um, that you played sixty seven games the following year in the NHL, not being drafted and first year pro. That's that's pretty impressive. Being a small a smaller guy, and you know, obviously a skill guy. Um, to talk about that year, I mean, transitioning from from college and having success to pro, and then and then finding your way to playing that many games in in your first uh, pro season. Yeah, I mean, uh, I was I was lucky to sign. I never thought not being drafted, you know, being a little short stump that I am, um, <laughs> that I would never play pro, you know. So then I got an opportunity. Lucky, we, you know, you. Again, successful teams breed success. So we went at Maine, and I had a few teams interested in signing me. I thought the Blues gave me the best opportunity. Um, they had just gone through a stretch where they hadn't had a first-round pick because of some free agent signing. So they needed some prospects, and I thought that was the best opportunity uh, to get to the NHL. Uh, made the team out of camp. Um, had a really good camp and uh, then didn't start off the season well. So was sent down to minors for a month, did well down there and came back up and um, then got some opportunity to play more minutes. And I was very lucky to be around a lot of really good players. And, um, you know, Bob Berry was our coach. He gave me an opportunity for a while because we made a couple of trades and we were, uh, I was all of a sudden the number, the number two center behind Craig Janney. So I got a chance to play with Brett Hull oh, wow. for about 15 games. And I think that's where I got all my numbers. I just gave him the puck. <laughs> yeah, right. Here you go, Holly. He's shooting, yeah, right? Shooting He's shooting, Monty. <laughs> Well, it was a great experience, you know, like, uh, as you know, Riley, whether you're coming from junior college or Europe, the NHL is the greatest league uh, in the world. And you have to learn how to play uh, well in whatever your role is. You got to know how to be a great teammate. You got to understand your role and how do you manage the puck? How do you defend well just in order to buy more minutes and get out there again? 
Yeah. Yeah, I know it is it is challenging, right? Especially when you're you're such a go-to guy um at a junior level or a college level, right? Where you're just thrown on the ice to produce and then all of a sudden, you know, at the pro level there's obviously more more coaching and, and more refinement around positioning and and the the intangibles and all that good stuff, but you know, good on you for stepping in there even, you know, uh in the situation that St. Louis is in at the time that you're able to to identify your weaknesses and, and find your way because that's that, now that's because that's impressive and and I, that goes back to showing you the 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 um, the opportunities that arise from being undrafted too is you're actually able to sometimes pick your opportunities based on uh, openings and opportunities right because if you're if you're hemmed in a different organization you might never have had that opportunity to to step in and get get that many NHL games especially your first year pro so. Um, a lot of variables there, obviously, but you, obviously you did what you needed to, and and you were were committed to the system and and to play sixty seven games not by accident. Yeah, exactly. No, it was uh, it was a great time, and as you know, you, you really appreciate it when you're in the NHL. It's uh, it's what everybody dreams of doing. Yeah. Um, and I think going to college extends a lot of guys that opportunity to be a free agent. And if you do well in college, maybe you'll have an opportunity to sign with an NHL team and earn your way into the league. Um, you know, uh, but the, the, the great things you remember about overcoming adversity and I know Riley, you've been through it and uh, nasty. I know you've been through it, whether it's as an athlete or in life, the more you grow and learn from previous experiences, good and bad, it just makes you better in life. And yeah. I, I think that, you know, being a 23 year old free agent coming out of college, um, having had the experience of getting passed over in many drafts, not even being thought of, you know, that just, you, when you overcome those kind of things to be able to get to the greatest league in the world, it, it's an achievement and it helps grow the fiber within yourself to uh, be successful at anything you put your mind to. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. I, I had this conversation the other day um, with someone else just about uh, how adversity builds character, right? And it's like anybody that's known someone that's had an easy, you know, an easy, easy path, it just like it just doesn't necessarily work out, and the, the one it seems like the ones that struggle the most and have the most adversity are able to kind of find different layers of success or different dimensions of success, and they're always attributed it to the adversity, right? Not, it's not supposed to be easy. Um, but look that's at how we become strength. He's yeah. the best example. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's the truth. So. Um, yeah, but good, good on you. I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's. I always like love picking guys' brains on the psychology of it all because. Everyone's has it obviously a different path, but um, you know to find your way like that um, in a situation like that is uh, is unique. And, um, and and you're obviously a coachable guy. You're always a student of the game, right? I mean, I, I'm not sure when you decided you wanted to be a coach, but it sounds like you are or always were uh, a coachable guy. Yeah, I, I, I th I'm sure there's some coaches that would disagree that coached me. <laughs> some, some nights, Billy, Billy didn't like anything yeah. anyone would do. He, he's your, Monty's your favorite tonight. He's yeah. not the next night. That's yeah. how Billy yeah. was, though. <laughs> I, I told I told a story, Monty. Sorry, I don't mean to get away from your uh, question uh, about Mac. 
Billy was always all over Mac until we played in the second round. Mac was on fire Soft against mitts. Hershey. Remember, he had all those points, and then Mac took a puck to the face, and for the first time in two years, he was worried about Mac. He's like, I heard him on the phone. He's on the phone going, we lost our best player. Oh, he's our best player now? Fucking Mac Hershey fucking yelled at the guy every goddamn night. He'd just get so mad at him. It was so funny, but anyway, I didn't mean to take away from that oh, question, Ryle. Sorry. You're yeah, a coachable guy. To be a coach is something that I think I wanted to do since I was in high school. Like, I loved always being part of a team and also always wondering how you'd put the parts together. Um, I remember, you know, reading Scotty Bowman books or any books I could get my hands on. I like coaches from all different sports. So it's something that um, when I volunteered at Notre Dame, uh, you know, and spent a year. Um, with no income, just we're living there and trying to learn. I, I learned for under a great coach and Jeff Jackson and to learn the work ethic. Uh, Cause as a player, you always think, well, okay, coaching, you're going to do this. You're going to put these pieces together and it's going to be easy to get the players to understand your vision of how you want them to play. And then you get there and you, you learn, it takes a lot of work and you got to learn how to create a, a language that's cohesive and early, easy for the players to understand and also visualize on the ice. And then working with players one-on-one, -on -one, um, getting them to relish their role on the team, all that stuff, um, you find out quickly whether you love it or whether it's not for you. And uh, I'm very fortunate and grateful for that year at Notre Dame. And that's what gave me, let me know that that's a, coaching is what I want to do for, for my living. That's awesome. Yeah. Who who would you say your your biggest influence was in in coaching? Because you've you, I only have maybe half of your coaches written down here, but you know Terry Murray, Bill Barber, you mentioned, and and, and several others, like Daryl Sutter, and yeah, for, um, you know a ton of big name in the coaching world. Uh, would you say any one of those is your was your biggest influence, or maybe the guy you mentioned as far as the the head coach you worked under there? Yeah, well, I think for sure Billy Barber was probably at the pro level the biggest influence. Um, very similar uh, to what I see with Chief, you know, like, and I think that's part of the flyer culture, right? Uh, from Bobby Clark and Paul Holmgren, it's like, and you guys know that better than I do because you guys were there longer than I was. But, you know, you, you man up, you work hard. Um, you know, you're being paid for results, but your effort day in, day out, the respect you have and you get from your teammates and being a great teammate, those are the things that I remember learning from Billy Barber uh, really well. Um, I think my coaches in college probably had the biggest impact on X's and O's mm -hmm. on me and individual teaching. Grant Stanbrook is someone that recruited guys like Gary Suter and, and Chris Chelios and Mike Richter and um, Tony Granado and Scott Mellonby at um, Wisconsin then recruited great players like um, Snow Dunham Korea at Maine. And he was a great one-on-one -on -one teacher. I remember uh, when I was a head coach in Dubuque, I hired Grant to come in one week a month and he'd come in and we had Johnny uh, Goudreau was yeah, uh, one of them. Right, yeah. Uh, and Goudreau was, you know, we, we signed him as a free agent because um, we were allowed to do that as an expansion team. We're supposed to, Northeastern said, you're going to have him for three years. Like, it's going to take a while for Johnny to grow and to learn and produce at the junior level. And he comes in, he's rookie of the year. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah right. Playoff scoring leads us to a championship. And I remember Grant working with him 
and trying to teach him uh, new moves. He goes, this guy's like a sponge. I show him something one time. He goes out and does it in a game and scores a goal. Uh, but, you know, working with people like that, and then I got to say it, at the coaching level, you know, I think John Stevens has probably had the biggest impact on me. Um, you know, just uh, spending so much time talking to him on the phone. And then I've been fortunate, like here with Chief and Steve Ott, Mike Van Ryan and the staff here, I've learned so much more. Rick Bonus at the NHL level, uh, great human being that um, was really, you know, knew the NHL so well and helped me organize scheduling and, you know, dealing with players and, you know, when to push, when not to push, you know, there, there's all kinds of player people like that in my life that I'm very fortunate to have taken little bits and pieces from to be able to create your own style and your own energy and how you're going to approach players. Yeah, I was going to ask you something about that, Monty. So um, we can't overlook the fact that you won a national title as a head coach uh, at Denver. Um, I I don't know. I've never been in the room with you while you were coaching, only when you were playing, and it was a lot of fun. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. But, uh, no, seriously, like, you do have a great uh, sense of humor, and you're, you're, you're a great dude to be around. But um, at the college level, like – did you have your? Did you use the humor with the kids, or because you had you probably around them a lot, right? More than pros are around their coaches and stuff like that. Yeah, at the college level, like you recruit these kids, you bring them into your program, you get to know their families, um, and then when they come in, now you start coaching them, and um, they get to know you as a coach first. Um, and then they get to know you as a person um, because you do spend a lot of time with them. And like, you know, example, like a guy like Will Butcher that I had, like you get invited to their weddings, you go to their weddings. Troy Terry is someone that, you know, when I got to Denver um, at 15 years old, he's already committed. And then he gets there at 18, he wins the world juniors, he wins a national champ, going to his wedding this summer. Oh, you know, awesome. that that's um, a special thing that you get in college. And then when you move to pro, um, I think you can have, you can have that same balance. Um, but I do still think it's very important that you get to know your players as people, yeah. um, that you be able to laugh with them, um, that you be able to have honest and hard conversations. Yeah. Um, and then also for them to be able to feel comfortable sharing with you. And that's when I think you really gain trust is when a player comes to you and not always you going to them and they want to talk and it might be hockey, but it might not be hockey, you know? Right. Um, and that's where as a coach, you know, that you've gained their trust. And that's the most important thing is that as a coach, everyone talks about a player has to gain a coach's trust, but it's got to work the other way for it to be a special relationship. Yeah, I agree with you on that. And, uh, you know, you've been coaching, I think, almost 17 years now. And obviously the game has evolved and the philosophy around coaching has evolved, specifically around the, the element of communication. Where did you see that evolve? You know, you go from, like, the old school way where you didn't even talk to your coach. It's almost like it was, it was a good thing if you didn't hear from him because you're probably going to get sent down or you'd be scratched to now it's like, who did we talk to the other day? Uh, Andy Delmore is like, you have to be a good communicator with your players. When did you notice that being a thing? Or, or, or is it just kind of like evolved slowly and you just kind of like worked with it? 
Well, I think communication has always been a strength of mine. Yeah. Um, I think uh, the thing you learn um, as you evolve as a coach is it's more important to listen mm -hmm. than it is to tell people how much you know. Um, listening to your players, especially um, about what makes them tick um, and what they value helps you you know, to be able to develop them to their strengths and also address their weaknesses. Yeah, that's yeah. It makes a ton of sense. Listening is the mother's skill, right? I mean, uh, and 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 players want to be heard, right? They want to feel like they're part of the the equation, not just being told what to do. So, I I agree with that. You know, I uh, I've seen it. I was coaching the Phantoms for seven years, and you know, I think a lot of these players just want a sounding board. They just want to kind of get something off their chest and 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 be heard. And then whether you know that translates or not, they they that the, at the end of the day, they still feel like they've um, communicated what's on their on their heart, um, but yeah, the listening is is huge because nothing worse than a coach when you want to go talk to him and, and he just talks over you and you don't listen. <laughs> you know, you walk out and you scratching your head and be like, "What the hell was that all about?" But uh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and that's uh, it, it is. I mean, every, I remember my uncle who was an agent uh, for a while told me it was a reason why God gave you two ears and one mouth. I was a yappy SOB when I was a kid. Not you. No way. Oh, that's great. Uh, Monty, um, so when you're a college coach, I mean, you basically have those, like, you're the boss, like, no matter what, right? Like, that's what I would think. Um, but, like, you come into the NHL as a head coach, now you got these, you know, you played with big-time players. That's one thing you got to get to about a little nickname. Oh, yeah. Uh, but uh, <laughs> um, you, you come in as a head coach now. You're a new head coach, and you got Jamie Benn in your locker room, to, you know, Tyler Sagan. Like, what was your approach there? Like, because I, I, it's got to, it's got to, like, be something you're thinking about going in taking that job. Yeah, it, it is. Um, and I think uh, my mode of communication um, that I brought um, – you know, that, that, that's just the way I work, um, is I try and get to know them. And um, I mean, you'd have to ask them, but I think at, at the beginning they hadn't experienced maybe a coach that, and I think they thought that I wanted to be friends. Um, and, um, I'm not opposed to being friends with my players. That wasn't the goal. It was to get to know them, get to know what makes them tick. And I think over time, uh, there was a respect that grew. I know on my part, there was a tremendous amount of respect, um, especially with my relationship with Jamie Benn and, you know, the Tyler Sagans and Klingbergs of the world that were our leaders. Um, and I think it trickled down uh, to being able to develop a relationship with everybody, you know, to be able to under make someone understand whether they played eight minutes or 18 minutes, the value that they brought to our team. And I think it, it took a while. Uh, it took longer, I thought, um, than I wanted it to. I thought by Thanksgiving I'd be able to be there, but it actually took to the all-star break. Uh, and then I think our team took off and, you know, we had a great run. And if it wasn't yeah. for the St. Louis Blues being so good and the Chiefs team, maybe <laughs> yeah. it would have been us uh, yeah. going all the way to Stanley Cup finals. Yeah. Uh, but, um, you know, that's the thing you learn at the pro level is um, being able to be fair and firm, um, you know, with players, they respect that and being, uh, you know, holding people accountable. Like there's sometimes where a guy like Jamie Ben isn't playing well and his 18 minutes get trimmed down to 15. There, there's a message sent there uh, that players understand that they need to be better every night. And in the end, I think every player wants to win. So right. if they're having an off night, which 
everybody has off nights and you give someone that's on the third line more opportunity to help you win that night. Um, I think there's a lot of respect given towards the coaching staff on what you're trying to accomplish as the team's the most important thing. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, and, and, and everybody on that bench notices that too, right? If you, if you keep playing a guy that's having an off night, um, it's not it's not showing it's not showing that uh, that element of uh, of accountability in the sense that every everybody is on the same you know f- uh, field here every everyone everyone is is the same even though their roles are different and if Jamie Ben's not going well we have to send a message and you know trim tr- you know trim the minutes down and, and get someone that's going tonight but everybody notices that which if you just ignored that everyone would notice that as well and then and again you kind of lose some street cred in the sense that well you're being hard on these guys but not these guys and I, and I remember when uh, it was a Dale Hunter was in uh, uh, was in was in Washington it was like how do you work with o- Ovechkin you know and how, and how do you work with his obviously his skill and his enthusiasm and energy but 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 also send the team message and I think you know where Nasty was going with, with with the with the question really was just like uh, you know the, the differences of personalities in that locker room superstars versus you know fourth liners and it sounds like you have to treat them all the same even though they're all different personalities. Everyone's got a different personality. You treat them a little bit differently. Uh, but at the end of the day, whether you're the, the first, you, first PP unit or, you know, again, fringe guy, all you expect is, is the work, the effort. And then if it's not going, you're sending the message irregardless. Is that, is that fair to say that you treat them all somewhat the same? So everyone notices yeah, that. I, I think you treat everyone fairly. You yeah. can't treat everybody the, the same because yeah. of their roles are right, different. Right. Right. But uh, yeah, I think it's important that everyone feels valued and they know that what the coach wants uh, from them um, and that you're going to communicate to them. Uh, I, mean, I remember learning a, a, a great lesson from uh, Corey Perry one time because um, it was a game that we ended up, that we won, uh, and their line had played well, but just with the way the matchups went, um, his line got short suited probably about three minutes. And he just came to me the next day and wanted to know why. And, you know, um, and I hadn't noticed because we had won that I had, you know, not played them as much. And it was a good lesson for me. Like, okay, well, the, those you got to watch those minutes and then guys that didn't get their minutes, go and communicate to them why it was. And it was just a matchup thing. It wasn't right. anything with their performance. It's just yeah. uh, the other team wasn't playing the line that I had them matched up against. So I was rolling with the my matchups because it was working for us. Um, but things like that, you learn and you grow as a person. And, and that's uh, uh, evolving as a coach. And, you know, just getting back to Jamie Ben, like that, that's a great captain because I remember I used him in some shutdown roles some nights against certain opponents and he sacrificed offense that's a guy who who will sacrifice as a leader to try and win and uh you're very fortunate when you when you're a coach and you have someone that's yeah. a leader like that to yeah. lead everybody else yeah 100 percent makes your job a lot easier doesn't it yeah it sure does. yeah <laughs> yeah we were you know it, it would be tough to go to the rink every day almost like button heads with the, with the <laughs> yeah. captain right because he thinks differently or he's not accepting of the roles you're giving him and whatnot but yeah i would imagine it certainly makes the job easier You there, Monty? Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. So, Monty, you're, so yeah. I was looking at something, and I thought I knew basically your uh, your history as far as playing, but I noticed, well, I couldn't believe it, you played in Missouri? You and uh, Scott Mellenby were there together? 
Uh, Mellenby was uh, an assistant, an assistant coach. coach, and you were player yeah, assistant part of the season. Yeah, I had a, a gentleman call in. Um, I'll just play just a quick uh, second of it, and you see if you know who it is. Well, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I was uh, I was in uh, uh, Missouri with the River Otters there, and uh, Killer Kaminsky. <laughs> It's our buddy Dexter who can imitates him. <laughs> it's on, dude. So Killer's nephew, I play. I had I Facetime Dex. He was the equipment guy. He's the equipment guy in Orlando. Good friend of ours, Adam Dexter. And but he just listened. Just a fucking great, great guy, Jimmy. I fucking I I, I loved having you there. And, and uh, that's a great. Uh, oh my god. I, I still talk to Killer. He's coaching in the uh, in the SJ Saskatchewan yeah. Junior Hockey League, I believe. That's where he's at right now. Dex, Wonderful human being. Dex, uh, uh, Dex, when he he worked with me for a little bit with when I was with the Flyers, he was with the Phantoms, and uh, he he uh, worked with Killer. So he's like really good friends with him. Talks to him all the time, and he's doing the imitation. Chief hears him, goes, "Oh my god!" He's like, "I thought that was Killer." <laughs> Out in the hallway talking, he's like, "That's unbelievable." And I showed his nephew the same. Uh, I had Facetime with him, but he used to. One of the funniest things he said that Killer would always after the games, he'd be like, "Boys, we're just going through the fucking emotions out there. The emotions <laughs> instead of the emotions." <laughs> and we just used to die, man, when he would do that. Well, my my favorite Billy Barber one, uh, line would be when remember when there's there's some nights in the American League you're playing three and three and you don't you don't have a lot of emotion you don't have a lot of energy and he's like they're playing like men we're playing like boys we're flat as piss on a plate yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty flat that's, that's pretty real damn flat. flat and they're and they're, you know and the, now that you say that Monty they were running through us like shit through a goose too. <laughs> You remember that? He used to say that one all the time too. He had his, he had a. And few. always like always scratching his ear too as he's delivering <laughs> yeah. the line. He, what a funny man! Oh, he was great, man. He was so good. Um, that's funny though. Uh, I had some for you, Monty. I uh, was reading up uh, uh, on you before uh, we hopped on this morning, and I found a little tidbit of information. I didn't realize you were credited for nicknaming Lindros, Leclerc, and Renberg the Legion of Doom. How did that go down? You know, well, uh, so I get I get moved from Montreal to Philly with Leclerc, Desjardins, and uh, Gilbert Dion. And uh, we get there. And that line, I think their first game, they didn't get a point, but they had all kinds of chances. And then after that, they started scoring three goals a game. And it's about two weeks later, and we're in the old uh, Flyers training center in Voorhees, and um, reporter Les, I'm forgetting Les's last name, he's going around the rink uh, and he's talking about the dominance of this big physical line. And one of my close friends uh, growing up in Montreal, Tommy, who had played in the Quebec Major Junior League, was a good hockey player, loved the Flyers growing up. I was a Habs fan. He was, we'd always go head to head every time <laughs> the Flyers and Habs. And that brawl. Yeah. of 80 what was it 86 or 87 yeah, yeah, I think 86 you remember that brawl yes 
Chris Cross came out in his flip flops. Yeah, Doug Brown that- came out in his flip flops. My dad's trying Dylan to. Brownie came out too. Yeah, Brownie had no. Yeah, no, no shoulders. Brownie and Nylon are going at oh, it. Right. Just scratches uh, on his back. He had nothing. He just had suspenders on in his pants. Yeah. It's fucking unbelievable, man. So, anyways, Tommy was a huge fighter. He goes talking to me. He goes, "That line can't be stopped." I'm like, Tommy, they're so big. They're so strong. They're so skilled. You're doomed. Like, yeah. I don't know who can stop them. And Tommy was a big wrestling fan. He goes, it's the Legion of Doom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I said that to the guy, and then he put it in the paper, and it just took off. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they were. And then, you know, they were the Legion of Doom. And then uh, a few years later, as we told Johnny, when he John LeClaire was on the show, there, did, were you aware that there was another Legion after you guys, and it was the Legion of Poon? which was uppy uh, scotty upshaw joffrey lupel richie and uh, carts you know they were all young kids and they were just lighting philadelphia up at that time and i said he goes and he you know johnny's like pretty serious he starts laughing he goes i wasn't aware of that (laughs) johnny wouldn't be aware yeah yeah exactly right (laughs) it was pretty funny though uh i i had a quick uh question monty i was just thinking about this uh you know obviously you speak french um I was telling Ryle, so he grew up, his dad's uh, French, but, like, guys didn't know that he could speak it. So did you ever catch anyone, like, players or anybody, like, saying something in French they didn't know you spoke French? Because we had that happen with Randy Jones, remember? Oh, right, yeah. Uh, Danny B, Danny Breer, and uh, Simone Gagne were speaking French, and he asked, when you were in the room, too, at that time, mm-hmm. and he understood him. It was nothing bad. It was just they were just talking in French, and, and Randy actually answered the question, and they both whipped their head around, and they're like, you speak French? You know, like, and he's like, yeah, I played where he played the cue. Yeah, uh, but Randy Jones, you wouldn't expect yeah. him to start throwing out, <laughs> you know, like fluent French. But uh, I just wondered if you ever caught anyone like that. No, I, I never have. Um, probably because when I first get somewhere, like here in St. Louis, for example, um, you know, we have a first round pick in Bull Duke. Um, it's going to be a real good player. And, but, you know, guys like David Perron and Sammy yeah. Blay was here last year. I go and speak French to them right away, let them know. And they're always shocked because my yeah. last name is Montgomery. I have no idea yeah. I was born in Montreal, you know. <laughs> uh, and then you, you joke around with those players, and it's a good way to get um, players to. Uh, to feel, I guess, relaxed around you when you first meet him as a coach. Yeah, for sure. That's interesting. Oh, well, Monty, listen, man, I can't tell you how thankful we are that you joined us. You guys are sitting at second in the central. Good luck to you, man. And we do appreciate your time, brother. Well, nasty Riley. I really appreciate you guys having me on. I've listened to your podcast. You guys do a great job and um, hopefully you get, some ratings with uh, my fat ball. Oh man. yeah, <laughs> we will. We will for sure. Go in there. And, I dare you to go in the Chiefs' office and smack him right in the back of the head. Just tell him it was from Riles, yeah, just yeah, in right. case. <laughs> oh man, I bet you oh, guys. I'm gonna. I'm gonna tell him how you imitated him. No, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. chuckle out of that. Big boy. <laughs> he used to do it. Oh yeah, we'd be sitting in the hot tub before we go for a run, and he'd look over and goes, "Do you understand how tough I am?" I'm like, "Yeah." I know how tough you are. Well, I'm not going to fight. You might want to tell the boys in there today, how, you know, I'm the toughest guy in the building. You go upstairs and tell that Homer, too. I'll knock him right to my, Oh, yeah. You know, just you just a lip off. Well. Just a lip off, you know. He does brag about your uh, basketball skills. And he uh, says Homer was smart. He always took you on his team. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you should have seen. Nasty's a ringer. Chief, Chief was uh, fun to play basketball with. Oh, 
lumbering around. Oh, yeah. Fucking elbows. Was setting up picks. <laughs> setting picks. Shoot. Never jumped when he shot. Just no, threw it. Yeah. yeah. No. But it was a good workout, and you couldn't say no to Homer, right? No one. Everyone right. would be, like, trying to sneak out yeah, at 3 no in, in the afternoon because they knew he was coming down. It would be 100 degrees outside in the middle of the summer. You're like, no, man. No. But uh, <laughs> anyway, man, thanks again, Monty, dude. Miss you, bro. Hopefully get to see you sometime soon. I don't know if you guys are coming to Philly. Chief was saying that might have got uh, rearranged a little bit. It did get rearranged. And I, uh, when we come, we actually, uh, it was in the regular schedule, it would be back-to-back. We weren't going to have any time. But I think with the new schedule, um, we actually um, were in the night before. So maybe we oh, can man. grab dinner. Yeah, that'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Love to see you, man. Awesome. All right. Appreciate All right, it, Monty. Say hey to Shutter too, Bob. for us. All right. All right, brother. All right. See you. Take care. That episode was brought to you by Mike O.T., Living Mycelium Beverage. Nasty, what do you got going on over there? I got the cordyceps here. Gets my energy going a little bit. Awesome. I like the taste of this one the best. You Um, need more energy, too. I do. When I'm needing that energy, I drink it anyway, but it does give me that little lift. Beauty. Check out Mike O.T. at drinkmikeot.com. 12 different strains of mushrooms again living mycelium beverage tastes great high energy high vibe drink drink it and a big thanks to our friend jim montgomery appreciate Monty. the time love him such a funny dude man yeah what a good dude good coach uh, yeah amazing uh, amazing story yeah uh, you know how he's been able to take his college career and, and find his way to the nhl yeah. he's right out of the gate and i uh, mean be an impact and Obviously, found his way in coaching. Obviously, something he loves to do. Yeah, good human. Yes, and um, yeah, doing some amazing things there in St. Louis with our man Chief. With Chief and and you know their team, they got a good team, man. Oh yeah, you know they you, you can't you can't like not look at them and say they have a shot. That's they right. got a pretty good team, and I'm and you know Armstrong, he likes to do things at the deadline too yeah. uh, to improve the team. And I know uh, after talking to uh, Chief as well, you know. He thinks they'll do something. Um, obviously, he doesn't know what, but um, they've got a good team again. So Yeah, they do. You know, I, I wouldn't, you know, every, there's favorites on the West, but um, I put them up there in the top three at least uh, with the teams in the West. So, see what happens. Yeah, it'll be interesting. But uh, appreciate Monty coming on. Episode 58 in the books, Nast. That's right, baby. Check us out next week, episode 59. Until then, stay safe, knuckleheads. See you, knuckleheads. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.